Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are in 2 Kings 21 today. That is the end of chapter 21. And then we'll be moving into chapter 22. The end of chapter 21 is going to show us the son of Manasseh, who became king after him. And then chapter 22 is going to introduce us to Josiah, who was one of the great kings of the nation of Judah. So let's dig in. Chapter 21, picking it up in verse 19, says, Amon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, the daughter of Haruz of Jabba. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. He walked in all the way in which his father walked, and served the idols that his father served, and worshipped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him, and put the king to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah his son reigned in his place. Now of course last time we saw that Manasseh was one of the most wicked kings that Judah ever had. Uh, He was an idolater, he shed innocent blood. But we also saw that at the end of his life, uh, or toward the end of his life, he repented. And uh, what we see here with Amon is that Amon follows Manasseh's earlier life, his life of idolatry and wickedness, and does not follow Manasseh's uh, reformed life, or the life after he repented and changed. Amon instead follows Manasseh's idolatry. It tells us in verse 20 that he he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, In verse 21, that he walked in all the way in which his father had walked. He served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. So Manasseh had stopped worshipping those idols later in his life. But Amon goes back to worshipping those idols like his father had done before. And so Amon was a wicked king, he was an idolatrous king, and he was put to death. Uh, We're told his servants, in verse 23, conspired against him. And uh, then the people of the land, so the people of Judah evidently, uh, killed the conspirators. They killed the ones who had killed Amon, and then Josiah becomes king. So. The king after Manasseh, his son Amon, was another wicked king, an idolatrous king. But things are going to change under Josiah. And here's what happens with Josiah. Now, verse 1 of chapter 22 says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So Josiah is different than Ammon, different than Manasseh. Josiah is a godly king. He walks in the way of David, not in the way of Manasseh, not in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He walks in the way of David. Now, of course, David did sin in some big and significant ways, but David also repented when he sinned and he turned back to the Lord. And David did not turn away from the Lord to idols. So he sinned against God, but he didn't 
abandon God or forsake God and turn away to other gods. Uh, so Josiah is a faithful king, a godly king, a king who uh, honors the Lord and doesn't turn away to idols. And uh, then notice verse 3. It says, In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. Now, this is significant for more than one reason, but let's just start here. Josiah cares about the temple. The temple is the place where God has put his name. The temple is the place where God dwells. And by caring about the temple and honoring the temple, Josiah cares, uh, shows that he cares about the Lord. He's seeking to honor the Lord. Uh, we saw Manasseh even put idols in the temple. Uh, we saw back in Hezekiah's day that things had to be, the temple had to be stripped down, right, to get uh, gold and things for, for money. Uh, and uh, money was taken, I think, even out of the treasury at that time, if I remember correctly. So um, the temple has not been treated well in the past. And, uh, and, you know, it was built in the days of Solomon. That's been some time ago at this point. So it's not surprising that the temple needs repairs. And Josiah turns his attention to that. Josiah uh, gives instructions for the temple to be uh, updated, as it were, to be repaired. And when that happens, uh, something significant follows. Look at verse 8. It says, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now, this is really significant. Uh, evidently, as they are you know, moving toward repairing the temple, uh, the high priest discovers something in there. He discovers a book in there, the book of the law. Um, most that I've heard uh, suggest that this is probably the book of Deuteronomy. Could be the whole Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, but just Deuteronomy uh, also makes sense as well. Evidently, um, they hadn't seen this book in a while. It, it, it's, it's not as though uh, every, there are lots of copies of Deuteronomy around and they just found another one. Uh, it sounds as though, both from the way this is described here and how the king is going to respond in a moment, uh, that this book of the law had been out of use for a while, um, out of circulation, as it were. They uh, People didn't know all that it said because it wasn't being read because it had been lost in a sense. Um, it had been neglected. And so the, the high priest finds the book. He gives it to Shaphan, the secretary. Um, Shaphan uh, read it 
and then he brought it to the king and told the king about it, and he read it before the king. Now, how is the king going to respond to this? Verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Asiah the king's servant saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So when Josiah hears the words of this book, whether it's Deuteronomy or the whole you know, five books of Moses or whatever it is, when he hears the words of this book, he is distressed, he is concerned, he knows that they are probably in trouble because clearly they have not been doing what this book tells them they are supposed to do. They have been sinning against the Lord. Their ancestors, their fathers uh, have not obeyed the words of God in this book. And so uh, the king gives instruction to go find out what does this mean? What is going to happen? Uh, how, how much trouble are we in, right? He wants them to inquire of the Lord. So how are they going to do that? Verse 14, so Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Asiah went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter and they talked with her. So they go to this woman, Huldah, who's a prophetess, right? Normally we hear about prophets, but there are also women in the Bible who are prophets um, or prophetesses, uh, both in the, we see this both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so uh, they come to her and here's what she says, verse 15. And she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands, therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. So let's just pause there and note this is something that we have already noticed in our study of kings, right? That we know this judgment is coming, right? These consequences are coming. God warned his people uh, back in Deuteronomy that uh, if they broke his covenant, if they turned away to idols, uh, what would happen? That essentially they would be exiled, that all these curses would come upon them, that they would be routed before their enemies, that they would end up in a foreign land, all these kinds of things. We've known this is coming, and the writer of Kings has been showing us that this is coming in various ways. But they didn't have, evidently, this book of the law, or didn't know where it was, hadn't heard it, didn't know all that it said. Probably some of what it said had been passed down, just orally, um, but they didn't have the full account, the full picture, and now that Josiah has heard it, he knows that they are in trouble, and the prophetess confirms that. God is going to bring destruction on Jerusalem. He is going to carry out the curses that he warned his people about all the way back in the days 
of Moses. But she also has some good news for Josiah. Verse 18. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. So destruction is coming. Judgment is coming for Judah's sin. That has been obvious to us even before now, but it's communicated clearly to Josiah at this point through the prophetess. But God also has noticed the way that Josiah responded when he heard God's word. He noticed that Josiah's heart was penitent, right? That he was broken, that he was humbled, that he knew they had sinned, he knew they were in trouble, and he sought the Lord. And so God noticed that, and God is going to spare Josiah from having to witness this destruction and judgment that God is going to bring upon his people. There are two things I want us to notice about what happens here uh, that we can apply to our own lives. The first thing is uh, to notice how important it is to hear God's word. God's word tells us God's will. It tells us about who God is, what God does, and what God expects of us. And when we neglect to hear God's word, uh, when our Bible gets shoved into a corner and we ignore it, um, don't listen to it, don't read it, don't pay attention to it, uh, then it's easy for us to forget what God has said. But we need to know what God has said so that we can live in accordance with what God has said. And so that when we sin, we can turn to God and confess it. We don't want... God's word hidden away somewhere like it was in the temple where nobody knew where it was and eventually it gets kind of dug out and discovered and then we hear it and realize, oh no, we have not been doing what God wants us to do. We're going to be in big trouble. We need to hear God's word. We need to be reminded of it regularly. So that's the first thing. Second thing is it matters how we respond to God's word. So God's word itself matters. Hearing God's word matters. But also, how we respond to God's word matters. God notices that Josiah responds with a penitent heart. He responds with humility. He responds with concern. He believes God's word, and he is bothered by the fact that the people of Judah have not been living in accord with with that word. We should respond to God's word likewise. We should care what God has said. When we recognize that our life doesn't line up with God's word, that should break our hearts. We should be convicted. That should concern us. And we should ask God to forgive us and cleanse us. And the good news is, the Bible says that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We see the mercy that God shows to Josiah. Uh, in response to how Josiah responds to God's word. And the same is true for us. When we respond with humility, repentance, confession, 
God shows mercy and grace to us as well. So it's important, it's important for us to hear God's word, to know God's word, but it's also important for us to respond. It's not enough to hear it. We need to respond with faith, uh, with humility, and when we've been out of line with repentance and confession, knowing that God shows mercy to those who are brokenhearted and he cleanses those who confess their sin. God bless.